there's this marvelous text at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, it's in the Great Commission, if you're familiar with that that sort of story right at the end, Matthew 28. And uh, the, so the Jesus has been killed and resurrected, and he takes his disciples up on a mountain to say goodbye. And it, the text says, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Uh, and I love that text so much because it suggests that doubt and faith aren't opposites. You know, they're standing there looking at Jesus, and he's presumably got wounds still in his hands and in his side, and he's standing alive before them, and they still doubt, and they still worship. And I love that moment in the text because it, it makes me think, you know, uh, faith is uncertainty. Belief is uncertainty. It's, it's more akin, and this is true in the Greek text as well, it's more akin to trust and loyalty and allegiance to a certain way of life and way of being in the world. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Reason to Doubt. Uh, this is Jordan. I'm here, as always, with my boy Jared. And today, we're going to be talking to a friend of mine, Art Wright. Um, and this is going to be on both the, our podcast, Reason to Doubt, also his church's podcast. Uh, so say hello, uh, Art. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for bringing up the idea. Uh, so Art commented to me or he's talking to me about um his journey into the church and we noticed that there was a lot of similarities with his journey and also jared's journey since they both went through seminary they kind of went through a period of doubt and but on the other side of it they went very different paths whereas yeah. art is you know a holy man working for christ and <laughs> jared is a godless heathen you know? <laughs> uh so we thought it might be cool to just have some beers and uh just you know talk about how we you know came to where we are today absolutely uh so art uh why don't we start with you just uh telling everybody a little bit about yourself sure yeah my name is art Wright, and um i'm i'm the new senior pastor of williamsburg baptist church in williamsburg virginia i've been there for about three months now uh, maybe four, geez, uh, time flies, but, you know, all in the middle of a pandemic. So that's been a really interesting process, trying to get to know folks and and um, sort of, you know, shepherd this community through what's been a really trying time. My background, I, ha I went to seminary, I got an MDiv, and then a PhD in biblical studies. Um, I'm not a, I'm not, I don't consider myself a theologian. I, I don't get into like systematizing beliefs and theology. I read texts, ancient texts and try to discern, you know, what did the original authors say? Um, and so if you, <laughs> if you find yourself pushing me and say, yeah, but tell me more, tell me more, you can probably poke all sorts of holes in my theology because I'm not really a theologian. But uh, Jordan and I know each other from playing board games. I love seeing y'all's podcasts and debates on social media. And Jordan, I know you mentioned this already, but, you know, my thought was, wow, I find myself agreeing more with Jordan than the folks he's debating with. And so I wanted to have more of a conversation to talk about what we have in common. And when we talked before, we said, no, we promise not to convert during the during this episode, right? You can convert afterwards, <laughs> or I can convert afterwards, but no conversions during the episode. <laughs> no mid-episode conversions. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's interesting just how broad of an umbrella 
say a religion like Christianity has, where you can have people just over the entire spectrum, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a big umbrella and, you know, we fight more probably underneath the umbrella, at least I do, than with people who would consider themselves outside the umbrella like you guys. Yeah. So, uh, Jared, why don't you introduce yourself? Because it's going to be on his podcast, too. So So my name is Jared. Um, I grew up in a a Christian church. My grandfather was a Baptist preacher. Um, I went to Sunday school. Then I went to mid mid sunday services and then mm. i went to evening sunday services oh, and wow. wednesday night sunday services <laughs> and tuesday night sunday services and everything was a sunday service no uh i basically lived in the church uh growing up and you know eventually found my way into the marine corps got out of the marine corps and uh decided that i was going to that i felt this calling i'd been feeling my mm. whole life and wanted to answer it and so went to school got a degree then i went to seminary and during seminary had some really strong periods of doubt and um, came out the other side uh not believing and Hmm. during that time i met jordan in the national guard and yeah it's been a long crazy journey but and then obviously i like playing board games so i played board games with jordan too so we'll have to play some board games after all this is over yeah once we get all the shots man yeah yeah sounds great so uh Jer- I know Jared's uh, uh, doubts. I know it was ha- with like um, the problem of evil and also mm-hmm. uh, potential conflicts or contradictions maybe in the Bible mm-hmm. that maybe we didn't have the original text and that was kind of concerning, right? Yeah, it, I mean, that's the broad spectrum stuff. I have some more like, especially going through my undergrad, which was at a secular school, mm-hmm. U- University of Virginia, like really started putting cracks in my foundations there. But it wasn't until I did like deep dives in seminary to like, that's when like the cracks started widening. So mm-hmm. I've, I've heard from, from several people that like, if your faith isn't tested in seminary, you're probably not paying attention or not doing it right. Like, yeah, I had a, my, one of my, I guess mentor type pastors that I went to my church here in Virginia came to me and like warned me. He said, you are going to be tested and you Hmm. need to be strong in the faith. Uh, before I went to seminary, he was like, I was like, Whoa, that's kind of interesting that you would tell me that before. So I was like, (laughs) uh, I don't know if you had a similar experience art or anybody kind of warn you or anything like that before. Yeah. Well, I'm curious real quick what seminary you went to. Uh, it's a little seminary down in Lynchburg, Virginia called Liberty. Oh, it's not conservative at all. They have a lot of, you know, liberal values and stuff. So we, we don't like to think of it as conservative so much as correct. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> OK, that's not what I was expecting as far as putting, you know, sort of chinks in the armor. I went to a pretty progressive seminary that, you know, was saying things that, you know, I mean, Adam and Eve is sort of off the table to begin with. But uh, yeah, wow. I, I had a pastor, you know, pray. And someone that I think, you know, respect deeply and and thank the world of, but he sort of prayed over me at one point, you know, for God to protect me from the evils of seminary. And so I was enjoying seminary at that point. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I don't don't know if this is so bad. But yeah, I really do think that seminary is a place for deconstruction uh, of a lot of what we learned. I taught in a seminary for eight years. And so I've been on both sides of it. Um, and 
you know, I, I think it's important for folks to, to sort of, I imagine it like a Jenga tower, you know, you knock down the tower and then you start to rebuild it on your own. I think mm-hmm. good seminaries will help students reconstruct their faith in a meaningful way that's fully theirs. Um, I, I felt like I came out of my master's degree in a pretty fragile place. Like I felt like that they had, you know, knocked the tower over, but not really helped me with the process of reconstruction, if that makes right. sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I find it interesting that you say like, you know, rebuild your faith in a way that's like all your own kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like that each person's faith is individual. Yeah. Like I'm a huge history buff. Like part of my undergraduate, I double majored was in history. And so like, for me, like there's like one pure, like truth in the world. Like there's one mm-hmm. pure Christianity. And so like when I realized that none of the church today, like, cause it's so, you know, splintered is anything like what the church that, you know, Peter or Paul would have been a part of like, and that we could never reconstruct that. Um, like that was really shaking to me. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. think that, and even churches today, you know, you'll hear folks say, we just got to get back to the first century church. Uh, so you probably wouldn't like that church. <laughs> no, the time is long past. Let's certainly look back, but we also have to look forward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, I mean, in a sense, though, you would hope that after 2000 years, you'd have mm. figured out, you know, some better ways. Like if your church or any philosophy, if your school of thought hasn't modified itself at all over two millennia, I mean, either you just nailed it right up front. Or maybe you just haven't thought very hard about it. Well, I mean, even, you know, look at the United States of America. You know, we have a constitution as our founding document, but we're constantly interpreting and reinterpreting, reinterpreting that, I I guess. I mean, some people don't want to, but uh, I think we're most honest with ourselves when we say we need to think critically about what the original founders meant and then how that applies today or how it doesn't apply today. And sometimes we make amendments to that constitution. Some of Christianity, I think, is really resistant to that. And my hunch is that Liberty University would count itself in that sort of corner. But I think if we're honest with that, yeah, we all have to evolve. Yeah. See, I would I would put Liberty in a lot of those conservative churches. Um, and I was never like, you know, uber conservative. I just happened to go to that seminary um, for a couple of reasons. But I would think that like Liberty is definitely reinterpreted and made some amendments on their own. Um, and for me, like, it seems like that if the Christian church or the Christian religion was true, it wouldn't need amendments. You know, like it, like mm-hmm. if God was going to found something, he probably would have got it right the first time kind of thing. Like, <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I imagine if God wrote our declaration of independence and our constitution, like it, it may, may have had some better, wording choices i don't know yeah yeah well i uh, thinking about seminary in the process of deconstruction i've studied a little bit of what folks have written about stages of faith and you know all all of the same as stages of grief right Uh, (laughs) bargaining (laughs) you know you know all of us if we are raised in some sort of faith tradition you know have this sort of like childlike innocent naive faith in the beginning that we inherit from our parents and our forebears. Um, but eventually you're introduced to new ways of thinking. And yeah, you know, some people will sort of like retrench in that original, you know, childlike faith and just get stuck there. But other people 
uh, grow, go through a, what's often a very painful period. And it was for me in seminary as I sort of deconstructed all that. But when you emerge from the other side, I think you're in a healthy space where your faith is not the faith that you've inherited directly from your parents or your church, but it's fully your own. And so I really appreciated that not to, you know, denigrate the faith of my parents or my home church or anything, but you know, what I believe is what I really believe. Uh, Although I would say it's constantly, you know, flowing in its dynamic as well yeah i kind of like your um illustration of like like a jenga or a puzzle or something right you take it apart and then you got to put it back together but for me at seminary like it got taken apart mm. and then i could not get it put back together you know it's like i was like does this block go here and then like it would put it there and it would fall over again like i could never build that base back up um so or right, just to um a quick question on to just so everybody can like put a pin where you are in the Christian spectrum. Uh, can you describe real quick, like, what does God mean to you? Like, what's the God that you believe in? Sure. What's your, n- not in-depth theology necessarily, but, you know, uh-huh. broad strokes. Well, I- I'll give you one word, and then you can ask me a follow-up question. Mystery. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll say, um, you know, I-, I like to be hard to pin down because I do try to be generous in my understanding of Christianity and try to extend the umbrella as broadly as possible. Um, but I am definitely on the progressive end of things. Um, and, you know, find myself hanging out on the left, I would say the left fringes at times. So, okay. Just to be clear, God definitely exists though. Like he's an actual being or entity that like, actually exists right i wouldn't use the word he so often okay, uh, sorry. I, and <laughs> yeah no in fact i try to avoid masculine language for god if i can and i mean it's rare that i use it anymore that's something that came out of my seminary training uh but if i use he i'll also try to use feminine language for god at times because there are images feminine images of god like one who gives birth to uh mm-hmm creation or people or or whatever in scripture uh either of y'all familiar with the theologian paul tillich mm-hmm. okay yeah I'm, I'm not really well read in paul tillich but i think that a lot of my theology probably derives from him as sort of a spiritual forebear he speaks of god as the ground of all being not necessarily like a an old man sitting up on a cloud in the sky but this the sort of cosmic bedrock of reality yeah it's a pretty broad understanding of of whom god is like in the in the trinity like the trinitarian view like there is you know god the spirit god the father god the son do you still hold true like to those kind of tenets of christianity or yeah i'm not a i'm not a really strong trinitarian i think if you push me hard on it i don't i don't dislike trinity theology and i can talk about you know, divine spirit and Jesus as son, uh, and then God, the father, or God, divine parent. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to defend the, the trend, the, the sort of like classically, you know, yeah, no, I was just trying to get an idea. Yeah. But I think I, if God had an email address, he would definitely have like preferred pronouns and it'd be like Zay or Zed or, you know, something, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Probably so. Well, and, you know, again, part of that goes back to the fact that I'm a Bible scholar and Trinitarian 
theology. I, I think what we see in scripture is sort of proto Trinitarian. Oh, theology, definitely not necessarily like full, fully blossomed Trinitarian. You have to definitely connect some dots to make that that stuff work. Yeah, and it's it's there, kind of like lurking under some stones. But you do have to work and and put the pieces together a little bit, and that's okay. There's a reason it took three centuries for that you know doctrine to really like fully develop you know that's a yeah that's a great point yeah and you know they still fought over it and they kicked folks out of the church over yeah the church definitely split in half as a part of that you know like (laughs) yeah Yeah, i I really do you know when i think about god i think about this source and it sounds you know kind of out there sometimes but this is part of where i'm at in my journey today i didn't believe the same I don't believe the same now as I did 10 years ago. And my hunch is that 10 years from now, I'll believe even different. But I do think that there's some sort of divine essence and goodness and love that permeates all of reality and uh, that binds us together as humans and as, you know, even the created order. Uh, It does maybe at times sound a little bit more like the force from Star Wars than (laughs) (laughs) how Christianity is classically constructed theology yeah it'd be interesting if you had like a time machine and we went back in time and you went to liberty and i went to your seminary like what would have happened because i probably could see myself holding on to uh my faith a little bit longer had i gone to a more progressive liberal seminary Um, yeah that you know that being said i i remember very clearly coming home from an old testament class one day uh just devastating it wasn't because the test was hard but it was because I was sort of wrestling with whether or not I still believed in God. Uh, So I remember really, (laughs) I I don't say this, um, you know, to to denigrate your perspective, but I feel like I sort of bottomed out in my faith. Uh, And, you know, did Moses really exist? Or is that sort of a literary constructor from the early Jewish understanding? I don't know. But, you know, we were talking about those questions in seminary. So it it sounds like the thing that you struggled with, what probably kind of similar to what Jared was struggling with, like is the Bible that I was taught an actual reflection of events? Mm. And hey, this God of the Old Testament seems like kind of a jerk sometimes. Like, what's mm-hmm. that about? You know? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that uh, I think Genesis one and two is a good example. I read the early creation stories in Genesis as myth. Uh, And I think a lot of different streams of Christianity are really uptight about that. If we say that Genesis didn't happen literally the way it happened, if we don't believe this one thing in scripture is literal and historic, then the whole house of cards collapses. Uh, I I just don't believe that. I think that we can read Genesis, which suggests that God created the world and God created everything good and even very good. And that there's a divine essence within everyone that Genesis calls the image of God. Uh, I think those things can be true, even if there wasn't a little Adam and Eve. Yeah. I, I very much had the same experience. Um, but what I started doing with my own like question was like, well, uh, cause I grew up in a church that taught a literal interpretation of Genesis. Sure. Um, I never really believed it. Like I was like, oh, that, it's a good story, but like when yeah. I looked into a very much same thing, myth, like it has a lot of that Near Eastern mythology and stuff uh, incorporated into it. But then I started asking my question, well, if this could be taken as, you know, 
just myth or allegorical or something like what else can and like i extrapolated that to like well there's no ending like it could be the whole thing like you know? <laughs> yeah so yeah, how far forward do you come yeah, yeah. Wait, where do you draw the line like okay here's the point like from there like yeah well i think that was part of my unraveling as a result of old testament class is how far forward do i sort of come with this understanding of myth versus history and you know fast forward to the new testament i think that there's an awful lot of history recorded there but i think that the gospels are also literary creations uh uh that the gospel writers infused these stories of jesus that they were that they had inherited and were retelling with their own theology uh informed by their own community context like the challenges and crises that were facing their churches mm-hmm. and so so it's it's always a blend of history and history and theology which if you think about it you know even though it's a very different culture and you want to be careful about projecting your own cultural understanding into antiquity cultures change but people don't you know Mm. and so when we tell stories today it's always with some understanding of our context and to our own problems and if i'm telling the same story to two different groups of people i'm going to tell it differently you know inventing details or, or highlighting different things and there's no reason to think that the gospel writers wouldn't have done the same thing yeah. uh, that's an excellent analogy yeah i mean you would have aced new testament one class <laughs> <laughs> you just graduated seminary jordan you're oh, yeah, right. boom. Done. <laughs> honorary doctorate <laughs> <laughs> yeah so art would you say uh when it, it sounds like you've got a very um broad understanding of of god as jared said hmm. uh how important do you think the question of like, does God exist or should we be worshiping the Christian God versus say the, the Islamic understanding of God or something? Or do you think those questions are important or is it kind of many paths, the summit of the mountain or? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, one that I continue to grapple with. Uh, this is certainly part of my process. Uh, you know, I'm pastoring a, a, christian baptist church and so i think that there's something significant about each of those i think that there's something significant about the person of jesus and yet i do acknowledge that there are different pathways uh to truth in other religions i just read a book by barbara brown taylor called holy envy it was fantastic and she talked uh she taught religious world religions and uh in college and seminary uh, and she talked a lot about, you know, all the things that she's learned from people of other faiths. Um, and again, I remember in seminary taking a class on Islam and someone said, why would you want to study that? You know, why not just study the truth? And I thought, well, I think that there's a lot of really good stuff here in Islam, too. And it, you know, it's going to challenge and help the way I interact with our Muslim brothers and sisters throughout the world and through our neighborhood and um, I don't think that other faiths are necessarily something we should fear. I think that we should definitely be in dialogue with them. I think even more, I'll, I'll give you one example. I'm a member of a local organization, Historic Area Religions Together. Uh, it's a group of, it's an interfaith clergy group. Uh, and we just dialogue about various things because we have so many common concerns, climate change uh racial equity and stuff like that uh we we have different ways of talking about the divine 
uh, and what it means to be human. And there are significant differences. I don't want to minimize that, but we also have so much in common as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it's great to always be in dialogue with other people and like, uh, especially the other faith groups and stuff. And if there's truth out there, I want to know it, you know, it's kind of Mm -hmm. my thing, but if somebody were to ask you like a hard question, like, is Christianity true and is Islam false? Like, are would you still kind of couch that question and be like, well, there's truth in everything? Like, or, um, <laughs> have I told you about the mystery? Have I told you about that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, I want to leave room for the fact that I could be wrong. You know, we, we like you already. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> fit right in that's like our favorite saying on this podcast (laughs) i'm so curious to hear more um you know when i think even as i was thinking about chatting with you guys when you say you're an atheist it sounds so certain like i know there's no god uh versus some someone who says that they're agnostic yeah and then you say you know it's it's good to leave room for for doubt yeah uh, so tell me a little bit more about that if i can just sort of turn the question back around right okay so uh, good good duck of the question there uh do, do you want me to take this one yeah go ahead all right so we I, i'll speak for jordan because i'm we've talked extensively about this but we are certain that we do not believe in god Sure. We we are not certain that there is no God. Like right. and so like for us, atheism is just a matter of belief. Like you ask us, yeah. do you believe in God? And we say, No. And then yeah. so like it's that simple. Right. Uh, you know, there's terms and stuff and we can get in like agnostic agnostic, so Gnosticism meaning like knowledge, so like without knowledge. So like we are both without knowledge of the of a God. Right. And then theism has to do with belief so we are both atheists we're without belief so we are agnostic atheists um some people use the term atheist as like a hard atheist like i do not believe in god or i believe there is no god i'm sorry yeah and you would never catch jordan i saying that um well in fact yeah. I would call that person out. Like, how could you possibly know that? Yeah, actually, oh, we have wow. called people out. We've called other atheists yeah. out. From saying that, so. Like, yeah, the way I see it is like agnostic and atheist are asking two different questions. Okay. You know, it's agnostic is, do you think you can know? No, I don't think I can know. Yeah. Atheist is, do you believe? Well, no, I don't believe. So I'm an agnostic atheist. Yeah. But, you know. That's I, so the, helpful. Yeah, the lack lack of belief, I guess, is, is the... Uh, I lack belief in God, but I don't believe in the lack. If that makes yeah. sense. And I would, I would label most Christians as agnostic theists, even though they would never mm-hmm. say that. So. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of Christians are functional atheists that they, you know, you know, might say they believe in God, but then they live their lives as if it's not a, there's no transformative impulse yeah. in that. We had a less I, harsh term for that when I was going, because we called them lukewarm Christians. Lukewarm. Oh, yeah. oh, that's such a good revelation connection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'll be honest, and I say this a little bit tongue in cheek, but you know, I probably believe in God seventy five percent of the time, and twenty five percent of the time, I have some serious doubts. Uh, and then, if I'm really honest, most of the time, I'm just worried about like, oh, I got to get my kids fed, or you know, right. geez, when, you know, why are my kids walking in my room at three a.m. and four a.m. and five a.m. and you know, I'm sounds I'm like you need to walk on your door. Yeah, I did. I bought <laughs> one a few weeks ago. Or a padlock uh, on their door. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, even a life of faith deals in a lot of, you know, very earthly realities, even for a pastor. 
you know, I'm sitting here wondering some deep spiritual and theological questions, but also like when the pandemic lifts, are people going to come back? You know, what Mm -hmm. do people like the music at my church? You know, some very like practical, like marketing and branding and sorts of questions too. So. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, One of the questions that you'd kind of sent over uh, just to kind of like, as like a conversation points and stuff was talking about like you know ethics and you know where do you where do you get your ethics from do you have ethics like yeah that's that's an interesting question because i think a lot of christians would say well i get my ethics from the bible but then if you really dig into it like if you ask them was lying wrong or we ask them why like very few of them are going to say well if you look at this chapter and verse like they're going to talk about their own life and like you know kind of that sort of ethical framework And, and like you said most of them live as you said many of them live as if they were atheists because they just mm. kind of live their life, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So well, you guys don't have ethics because you're godless heathens, right? You said, well, that's true. I mean, that's <laughs> the reason that I stopped believing was that I could sin. That's why. <laughs> it makes life so much more fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Suppressing yeah. the truth and unrighteousness. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of bad ethics in the Bible and we really do have to be careful. Women are property and a lot of, a lot of texts, especially in the Old Testament. I mean, if you try to just kind of copy and paste the ethics from Scripture, then we can end up in some really bad places really quickly. Is slavery? I, I mean, I I feel like I could just go on and on. Uh, license to gen, you know, commit genocide in in uh, the Hebrew Bible and the Old Testament scriptures. So, where would you say you get your ethics from? Then, are me? Like, yeah. Yeah, well, I do think that there is a consistent impulse towards love throughout so much of Scripture, and it's not confined to the New Testament, although as a Christian, I certainly uh, am quick to point to the life and example of Jesus. But, uh, you know, my my Jewish friends would say, oh, you know, love is pervasive in the Old Testament, too, and they would, you know, could walk you through the texts. But for me, especially, I, you know, point to the example of Jesus um, time and time again. Jesus is welcoming and accepting the people who are on the margins of society, who the, you know, wealthy and powerful elite, religious and political elite are sort of pushing to the sides or pushing down. And Jesus is inviting the men, inviting them to the table and saying, you belong, even if society says that you're a sinner there's a place for you at this table. And I think that's such a powerful example uh, of what I feel as a Christian that I'm called to do. And my church sets that example by being a welcoming and affirming congregation. Uh, Of course, a lot of Christians throughout history have not, you know, followed that line of thinking when it comes to ethics. But but that's certainly one major point of departure for, for me. When I was a Christian, I would have just went with the old it's written on my heart kind of answered like, you know, God just gave me my ethics and from birth. I'm like, Oh, uh, um, yes. it's weird how we wrote like one ethics on you, but like wrote a different ethics on somebody else, you know, like... well, no, the <laughs> ethic is there. They just, they're, they're so covered in sin. They can't see oh, it. Jordan. So. Of course. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, so to play devil's advocate, perhaps. Please. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I agreed like Jesus method message. Uh, was definitely focused on love, right? That was yeah. uh, attested up and down the board. 
But if you're going to look at scripture and say, well, we can get some bad ethics like endorsement of slavery and things like that, it feels like if you can look at scripture and appeal, say, okay, this piece is bad, then you're appealing to Mm -hmm. something else, right? Some other standard, you know, couldn't we just like go with that other one and then just like, you know, dispense with the scripture part or just like recognize the parts in scripture that agree with the ethic we've already arrived at through other means? Yeah. I think there's always some picking and choosing when it comes to scripture. Uh, You know, the, I guess, Jared, you, you know, you remember reading about the canonization process where they Mm -hmm. decided what books are in and what books are out. And so that's certainly a a weighty conversation uh, for early Jews and early Christians. Um, But we all, you know, at least people who have sacred texts, uh, pick and choose what we want to read and what we read more and what we read less. You know, I spend so much time in the Gospels, but I don't ever read the book of Jude. I have, but, you know, I don't derive my ethic from that book. And um, but the other thing I'll say about that is so much of what goes into scripture for me is a process of interpretation. Like, why did this, why was it important for this person to, to suggest that God wanted, you know, these people to kill these other people? Uh, what was going on historically and culturally and contextually that shapes how they would have fashioned and written down this text? Uh, and then when we start to peel back the layers, you know, all of a sudden I don't feel very inclined to commit genocide after reading scripture. Yeah, I would hope not. <laughs> yeah, n- yeah, never, in fact. <laughs> I'm committing 100% of the genocide I want to commit right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think um, if you, if you look at someone like um, Bart Ehrman, who is a yeah. prominent scholar who's currently an atheist, yeah, uh, used to be uh, evangelical Christian, he says he you know he doesn't believe in God, um, but he considers himself a follower of Christ in that Christ is someone that he reveres and thinks right. was a, a great teacher and certainly taught some things that aren't great, but I mean it was two thousand years ago, so you know yeah. that's going to happen. Uh, but couldn't you just, it, let, let's say that tomorrow something happened that convinced you that 25% you don't believe in God, it just became 100%. Yeah. You know what? I don't believe anymore. Uh, it sounds like you probably wouldn't have to change a lot about the way you think about good and evil and like the way you live your life, because it seems like to me, and I don't want to project on your life, but it seems like you do these things because it kind of resonates with you, right? Hmm. I, I think that's totally fair. You know, I think if, if, you know, <laughs> I don't know how this would happen. God appeared and said, you know, I'm going to. I don't exist. I'm, I don't exist. <laughs> that would make me believe in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you guys suddenly become Christians and they become atheists. Yeah. I don't know that my life would change that much. Uh, yeah, I, you know, when I think about my engagement in church as community, I think that there's so much valuable there in terms of what it means to be a people, a community of faith together um, that gathers regularly for, for mission, for like service to the world and, you know, engagement and trying to um, relieve suffering and come alongside people and support people in their struggles uh, and fellowship and, to use a churchy word, discipleship, but, you know, maybe we could just say ongoing transformation as individuals and as a community for the better. Yeah. Uh, and that sounds pretty good to me. 
I like you said, like, you don't think your life would change that much. You know, my life didn't change hardly any other than the fact that I stopped going to church. um, Right. And I lost that community, but I just had to find another community to replace it. Like, uh, and and it just was awkward to keep going to church. Like, I love the people. I still hang out with some of them, have good friendships with them, but it was weird to just keep going to church every day to see them. You know, it's like, um, and then, you know, I still participate in community, you know, outreach programs and things like that. So right. I don't, I was trying to think like the one thing that I, I miss and I miss this even when I was a Christian, but like there is something about ritual, you know, like mm. repetition and stuff like ritual is like a handrail for us that we can mm. hold like when life gets hard. And I think that's one thing that uh, atheists lack um, and it's not really there. You know, it's like, you know, it's like sitting Shiva if you're Jewish, like in your in mourning, like having people come over and you just sit there and mourn and they take care of everything for you. That's something amazing. Like if I, if God forbid, <laughs> you know, my wife died, like, would anybody come sit Shiva with me? No, because mm. I don't have that ritual in place. Um, and for the longest right. time, like I thought about starting my own atheist church, like, uh, you know, just to have the community and to build those rituals, like, oh, let's take this ritual from Hindu and Hinduism. Let's take this one from Judaism and stuff. Um, so I think that it's something very appealing about that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of churches have let ritual go, but the ones that I find find most compelling still have ritual as a strong component of it. So. Yeah, I I think it's definitely a failing of the atheist community in general, uh, hmm. particularly the hardline atheists, the ones, you know, the militant atheists right. who are, are so concerned with getting rid of the structure of religion. And I don't, I mean, I want to pursue the truth, but you should acknowledge that you're losing something as well. And, you know, there, it, 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 if to the extent that religion was man-made, if it was, it was man-made for a reason, you know, yeah. it, it, it fills a niche. Right. Uh, yeah. And so like, I'm a pretty traditional guy. So like when I make bread, I make, there's a certain, bread that I make that my grandmother taught me and I still like draw the sign of the cross in the bread because mm. that's what my grandmother did it's yeah. not because it means anything to me but it's just it's just a way for me to connect yeah. you know to my past that's right and you could pass it on to your kids and it's beautiful it's right you know. yeah. absolutely yeah I uh I have a friend of mine who's Jewish well he he is culturally Jewish and he likes the ritual but like he was in Iraq and he like, I looked over and he had like the, the biggest mound of bacon on his, uh, he's you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm Jewish, but you know, bacon is delicious. He's like, yeah. I'm pretty sure he said, I'm pretty sure my rabbi is atheist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we just ordered a new set of pottery, uh, communion ware for our church. Um, and we bought it with money from the Memorial fund, thinking that every time we celebrate communion together as a community, we'll, will think about all the people that have gathered at that communion table, you know, for decades and even centuries past. And I guess millennia, if we don't necessarily count everyone that physically gathered, gathered in the church, but yeah, there is something so powerfully moving about that, recognizing uh, the oneness that binds us together across time and space. Um, I do love that about so much of Christian rituals and Mm -hmm. there's so much that threatens to fragment us uh, I mean, you mentioned how diverse and, and fractured Christianity is, and it's so true. And, and that's something that really breaks my heart. And there's so much infighting. Uh, w- one of the things that I care deeply about is trying to find ways to build bridges between people. 
And ritual is one of those. We all celebrate communion. Uh, so yeah, the Eucharist was definitely, uh, it's a very intimate thing, you know, when you're taking communion. It's also weird in my opinion, but uh, <laughs> if you believe in transubstantiation, but I don't, we're, uh, but I'm not. <laughs> but you can also uh, use ritual not just as a way to unite, but also as a way to divide. Sure, so, that's for example, uh, my brother-in-law, he got married as a Catholic because his wife was Catholic, but mm. his side of the family was all Protestant, and she insisted they want to do another Catholic mass and everything. And the the priest was like, "Okay, we're going to do mass if you're not Catholic." goes wait over there like you're not invited you know and it was like a really harsh like it's like we're having the ceremony but only for us you know right and i understand theologically why they did it but like come on man you know (laughs) yeah i yeah and again i my the side of me that wants to be generous uh with different perspectives says yeah i understand that but you know when i preside at the communion table i say this is not our table this is christ's table and all are welcome here whether you right are baptist or episcopal or catholic or methodist or whether you are you know faithful or doubting you know whatever all are welcome here it it and i this is a bit of a tangent putting on my christian hat again but it feels to me like you know like you said christ was known for dining with prostitutes and tax collectors and people who are like definite outcasts right yeah and so i understand why the catholic priest is doing that but at the same time like do you really think jesus would have been down with that like i feel like jesus would have been like you know what what's more important is that we make everyone feel welcome here at the celebration you know and that like, water I, over there it's not wine so let's get yeah, drunk. yeah. and also yeah <laughs> let's get this party hey, started hey, <laughs> yeah. yeah you know it's I weird did... to, um go ahead art oh i was just gonna say you know, for all the times I've heard someone say that, you know, Christian, you know, Christians are what drove me away from the faith or, you know, I, I really can't stand the church. No one has ever said, man, that Jesus guy was such a jerk. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's never I've been... heard s- some atheists take that line. Oh, OK. But that's. But you have to go. You have to stretch, bro. You have to stretch. Right? Yeah, like <laughs> you those, have to avoid all the good stuff that he the, talked about. Those are the Reddit atheists that drew drove me away from our atheism. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, it's interesting. Like, atheism. yeah, the the church is probably the one, like the last thing that I was holding on to to be mm. a Christian. Yeah. Uh, it's like even when I was an atheist, like. I didn't want to give up the community. I didn't want to give up going to church. I didn't want to like, you know, singing hymns and stuff like the stuff I grew up with. And like, I feel like Jordan's bread, you know, it's like, uh, it was hard to give up, but was I going there because like, I believed in God or by believing the community. So, you know, really had to struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a hard question. So I, I think, it's fair. I think we would all agree that religion definitely does some good in the world for sure. Sure. Like, especially with the building community and yeah. there's a lot of great uh, charity work. And so there's no doubt that religion can be a force for good, but I'm sure as you also can see, sometimes religion can be a force for destruction and division. Absolutely. And uh, so do you think, I think like, if you take uh, Christopher Hitchens would say that, you know, religion poisons everything and it's completely evil. I'm not sure I'd go that far, but um, to what extent, like how much bad should we accept with the good? You know? 
Yeah, I mean, that's such a good question. And yeah, I've certainly heard the argument that, you know, religion is ultimately bad and we should just dispense with it all together. I think it's much more nuanced. You know, the world is so rarely black and white. It's so much, you know, so much more interesting and complex. I think one of the reasons uh, I stay within the the borders of Christianity is I want to make it better. I think that I, you know, and a, a lot of days I would rather call myself a follower of Christ than a Christian because I, you know, you can't pick up the newspaper without seeing things that Christians are doing that make you squirm. Uh, so I'd just rather say, well, I follow Christ. Um, but I think that by staying, I can lend my voice in a way that makes it better. Ultimately, it helps the church be a force for good in the world. I think even as the church is losing its voice and its place of relevance and power within American and Western culture, it still does hold a lot of power. Uh, and I, I want Christians to wield that power for good. I want the church to wield its power for good because it still can be a powerful force for transformation and change in the best way. Yeah. I see, you know, that as like a small movement amongst Christianity. Like mm -hmm. one, the last church I was a member of was very much similar to, I think what you kind of your church is, um, and there's a movement amongst Christianity to kind of like retake back, you know, being followers of Christ and discipleship and stuff. Like you hear that right. word thrown around a lot. But for the most part, Christianity, I think, is ultimately uh, a force of bad. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and just the way that they treat people, the way that, you know, they treat communities. Like I think a, the prosperity gospel kind of churches and all that stuff, like, that's a vast majority of Christians in America and they only care about number one and they don't go out and do any outreach in the community and they're not sitting with prostitutes. I mean, I love prostitutes. I try to get with them whenever I can. So his wife doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah. So. She, she hasn't listened to a single episode, so I'm good. Well, this will be the first one. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree. It's, and honestly, from my point of view, it's so demoralizing sometimes that that people are so drawn to th those forms of Christianity, and it it hardly makes sense to me. I, on the other hand, I look back at Christian history. Well, and you know, there's plenty of examples of the ways in which Scripture has been wep weaponized, and our faith has been weaponized. The Crusades comes to mind. But Christians were also the ones that, you know, have always taken the lead caring for the poor. And Christians started hospitals, uh, you know, just orphanages. Name... And... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm, and I would way rather have more of the good than the bad. Um, but it does feel like we're fighting an uphill battle some days. Yeah, I think all that stuff's good. Like to me, like I like it doesn't really matter to me. It doesn't make a difference. Like if if there's somebody out there doing good, I'm all for that. Yeah. To me, what matters is like the belief system and the way that it teaches people to think and act in the world. Because for me, like I see religion as a force for bad because it teaches people to not think. Hmm. It teaches people to not be critical and be skeptical of stuff and just to accept things. And then ultimately it, it turns into, you know, people not wearing masks in the supermarket because. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which to be clear, I don't think either of us would say that each individual religious person is like that. You know, no, yeah, I'm just saying there's I mean. a massive variety, like you said. Okay. Uh, 
but it seems to me like a big problem with religion is the the god part you know like the the fact that you have an avenue when you have a book that you're saying this came from the almighty all-knowing all-powerful creator of the universe and Mm -hmm. it's his handbook for life you it's a very easy shortcut to say okay well then i'm just going to do whatever it says you know or more commonly project what i want it to say into the book right but now i now it's not me saying it now it's the almighty creator of the universe saying it. see Whereas, i don't think art's that way at all though <laughs> no 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 no, not at all i'm not saying that, that that that's i think you're doing the opposite of that. oh yeah okay. i'm just saying that that that's a pathway that someone yes. can take you know uh, whereas if you kind of dispensed with that and you still you could even still have the church a church kind of like yours that's focused on doing good and we're going to follow the example of christ because we think he was a good guy and he was you know radically helpful and so we're going to preach to the poor and we're going to you know tend the sick and we're going to do all these things but none of it's coming from an almighty creator it's coming from us because we want to do it hmm. um and then you can't have someone say well according to this part you know they own women as slaves it's like yeah but they were wrong you know <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> We had those things, Jordan. They're called cults, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's this marvelous text at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, it's in the Great Commission, if you're familiar with that that sort of story right at the end. Matthew 28. And uh, th- so the Jesus has been killed and resurrected, and he takes his disciples up on a mountain to say goodbye. And it, the text says, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Uh, and I love that text so much because it suggests that doubt and faith aren't opposites. You know, they're standing there looking at Jesus and he's presumably got wounds still in his hands and in his side. And he's standing alive before them and they still doubt and they still worship. And I love that moment in the text because it, it makes me think, you know, uh, faith isn't certainty belief isn't certainty it's it's more akin and this is true in the greek text as well it's more akin to trust and loyalty and allegiance to a certain way of life and way of being in the world and uh that's very grounding for me that's very encouraging for me when i do struggle with doubt or you know wonder what in the world some of these other folks are doing who was it i can't remember that said uh the problem with the world is that is bertrand russell the problem with the world is that fools and fanatics are so certain, but wiser men are full of doubts. You know? Yeah. I think if, if the world embraced doubt a little bit more, perhaps recognize they have reason to doubt, then uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. it might be a better place. I don't know if you've listened to our first um, episode. Was it our first episode we talked about doubt or was it the second yeah, one? that was the first one. The first one we talked about how doubt is a good thing ultimately and like uh christians should embrace doubt more because either it's going to have two outcomes they're going to be stronger uh, faith when it comes to doubt or they're going to be have better knowledge you know it's like um, yeah i when you doubt and you really wrestle with it and allow yourself to doubt at the other side either it'll turn out you are right in which case great or yeah. it turns out you know what maybe you were wrong in which case you can change your mind and then boom you're not wrong anymore it's like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. i think y'all are on to something <laughs> Yeah. I think you should start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. There is, yeah. there is. Sorry, I keep talking about scripture, but there's this other marvelous. Well, I mean, you are a pastor, or it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll have an altar call at the end. There's this other text in Genesis where um, uh, Jacob, uh, you know, God help me if I 
misquote this, but Jacob wrestles with God. He's like spends the night and he wakes up and or no, he he ends up wrestling with God all night long. Uh, and he ends up surviving the encounter, but for the rest of his life, he walks with a limp. Uh, yeah, I think God jacked his hip up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's such a marvelous image again of wrestling with God, not necessarily just sort of accepting everything that we're told when it comes to faith and spirituality and, and the Bible, um, you know, without critical thinking and awareness. Uh, yeah. I think I'm, you know, when I think back to my seminary career, I'm still limping from that. I think I'll be limping for the rest of my life, but I'm really glad that I had that wrestling experience uh, and that I, you know, doubt is still a key part of what it means to me to be a person of faith and spirituality. It's, it's weird. Uh, I have a very similar experience, um, but I can honestly say that I have not doubted since like having the res- revelation that I didn't believe anymore. Like yeah. since I had that revelation, I haven't had one moment like, well, maybe maybe I do believe or maybe uh, like I I didn't doubt my doubt, if that makes sense. It's weird. Like I've yeah. doubted about other things. Like, am I raising my children? Well, am I, am I you know, right. all that kind of stuff. But like when it came to belief in a, a, a being. It, yeah. Am I doing enough to save the environment? Right. The answer is no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> I'm, My so, kids will handle it. They're smart. <laughs> their grandkids will handle it. Uh, so, I'm, so I'm curious. I don't know how long we're planning on going, but I, I'd love to ask you about like per- sense of purpose in life and calling. Like, what does it mean to be for you two to feel like what, what are you up to in the world? What do you, as a Christian, I'm trying to follow the way of Jesus. And um, Desmond Tutu uses the language of God's dream for the world. We know the way the world should be. And I believe our role as followers of Jesus is to try to bridge that gap between the way the world is and the way the world should be. Uh, I'm just curious how that plays out in your life or your lives. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up Desmond Tutu because I was reading his book. Uh, I think I got the title wrong, but it was like, God is great or something. God is good. Something like there was one title, the Desmond Tutu book, and I was reading it and Jordan was sitting in the, the rack next to me. We were at Drill and he was reading the book by Christopher Hitchens, God is not good oh. or whatever. <laughs> Which book is that? Um, uh, Dawkins. God. It was Dawkins. Yeah. God is not great or something. God, yeah. is, God is not. Oh, no, sorry. I, I'm, you were right. It's Christopher Hitchens. God is not great. How religion poisons. Yeah. Everything. So that was so. And I was sitting there. I was like, oh, I'm reading Desmond Tutu and he's reading that. And like I said, can I look at that? And like, so we traded books. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, side story. Anyways, but as far as like purpose and things like that, um, that's one thing that I never really struggled with because I've always felt like I had purpose. Like I never felt like I got my purpose from my faith. Like Mm. my purpose has always been very much family oriented Mm. and making sure that my family was safe, happy, secure. Um, Grew up in, in Michigan where like every weekend we just got together, like all the extended family got together. And that's Mm -hmm. so I got purpose out of being with family and seeing other people. Uh, And then, you know, helping people in the community, that's just something that I think I've always felt like if I see somebody in need, um, I want to help them naturally. I don't know, but I don't know where that comes from, if that makes sense. Like, sure. Uh, Empathy. Wait, what is, what is this (laughs) word? Empathy. (laughs) Uh, I know the word apathy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I kind of, what you were saying, Art, resonates with me and wanting to like make the world the place it should be. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, 
don't feel like I need a God to tell me how it should be, you know? Right. So my, what I try to do is make, it's probably smaller scale, but, you know, make my children's lives better than my life was. So they have to work a little harder, a little less hard than I do, <laughs> you know, uh, try to promote rational thinking and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, skepticism, because I think that if we were a bit more skeptical and a bit more rational about how we approach problems, we'd come to better solutions. You know, yeah. if people were less, in, if people were more inclined to be skeptic, skeptics, then we wouldn't have people refusing to get their vaccines mm -hmm. or not wanting to wear their masks. Like these are real ways that a lack of doubt is really harming the world. But mm -hmm. all of that isn't a means into its unto itself. It's not like I'm like on this grand crusade to destroy religion. Like I don't care about that. You know? <laughs> it it doesn't. Honestly, it wouldn't. If I had a magic wand and I could destroy all religion tomorrow, I wouldn't do it because I don't care. What yeah. I care about is that people are acting right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, like, if if every Christian had it, like, was like your church is, where like what we're gonna do is we're gonna help people, and that's what's important. Mm -hmm. you know, like, how can how can anybody have a problem with that? You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's we're so political and polarizing, aren't we? <laughs> Yeah, it's so I guess my purpose is really just to leave the world a better place than I found it. Hmm. Uh, so when I die and cease to exist, I don't know, maybe I'll at least go into the grave feeling good about myself. Uh, <laughs> right. Though I personally am not planning on dying. Uh, I am going to be vitrified and like uploaded to a computer. That's my oh. plan. Yeah, <laughs> we're not that far away to be honest yeah with knock you. on wood i just gotta i just gotta hold on jordan dies like the very next day it becomes available to the public that, or something that would be my my luck i would get hit by a truck on the way to the yeah <laughs> yeah the last yeah. human to die yeah i do i do feel like you know i appreciated so much what you said about doubt you know, and it, for me, it leaves space uh, to be generous towards people of other faiths or people who don't have faith, uh, because I continue to think that we have so much more in common uh, than what divides us, right? And, you know, believing in God or not believing God is kind of significant. I mean, it's kind of a big thing that could divide people, potentially. But I still think that what unites us as humans is more significant than what divides us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, I mean, that's, that's one of the profound things for me and having this conversation with you guys. And I, you know, I've, you know, and hanging out with Jordan before I know that's, that's true. We both want, you know, good for our families and good for the community and good for the world. We, you know, we both care about the environment and um, I don't know. I, I feel like I could go on and on. Yeah. I think it's so like the ist thing, you know, like I don't think of myself as an atheist. Like people ask me, like, do you believe in God? Like, yeah, I'm an, yeah, I'm an atheist. Like sure. I, that's an answer to a question. But if I had to label myself as any kind of ist, it'd be like a humanist, you know, like, hmm. and why do I care about humans? I don't know. Like <laughs> um, I just don't maybe just raise that way. Who knows? But social I mean, pressures, that's it. Like, cause yeah. I am one, but it, to me, it doesn't matter. Like I see, that you know my job that i do every day is helping people literally when they get out of the hospital and i make sure that they have all the needs that they need have met you know whether it's transportation or you know getting them to a homeless shelter whatever it is like my job is to help them out and i find fulfillment in that and i don't need to have a god in my life to give me that fulfillment so mm -hmm. 
But like you said, like I agree, I consider myself, if I had to put myself in a philosophy, I'd put myself as a mm. secular humanist. But the, mm. the goal of, of, that, of that humanism is to promote well-being for people. Right, which, exactly. Honestly, like some people make it analogous to atheism. But on, for me, like I see no reason why a Christian couldn't be a secular humanist too. Like, mm. if, like you can be more than one thing. And if we all agree, hey, we should do everything we can to make life better for humans, then, you know, great. You know, yeah. <laughs> it might be that you could be an atheist and, you know, be a follower of the way of Jesus. You know, you just might not believe specific things about him. One of the things uh, I've been thinking a lot about human flourishing lately and I believe that that's part of my calling as pastor, but also part of our calling as the church is to promote human flourishing and all that that entails. Hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's, a noble, that's beautiful. That's a noble goal yeah. for all of us. Yeah, I'm not opposed to following the example of a good leader, you know, no matter who they are or what they believe. Like I can, that's the Donald beautiful. J. Trump. If Donald J. Trump <laughs> did something beautiful and humanistic, <laughs> I would follow that example. <laughs> um, I don't have any, not holding any breath there, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely can resonate with um, the greatest commandments as identified by mm. Jesus. Because when asked, you know, what are the most important commandments? He says, well, to follow God. And obviously I'm not down with that. But okay. he follows it right up with, and to love your neighbor. You know, yeah. that's, like, if you just do that, everything else will be fine. You know, yeah. basically, don't be a jerk. Right. <laughs> In fact, that's what my shirt says. Nobody on the podcast can see it, but, you know, so it's just... <laughs> it, it does not say don't be a jerk. I can't well, it, read that. It says that's, don't that's be math. don't be the third derivative of a position with respect to time. And that <laughs> it goes velocity, acceleration, jerk. That's the yeah, that's an engineering joke. An nobody who's listening to this... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i what I, I you know again what i appreciate this about this conversation is we're trying to model that right you were trying to model and jordan you said this when we talked originally you said you think it's important to model what this sort of discussion looks like because the world is so polarized right now and it's possible to disagree and yet still have meaningful conversations and maybe move the ball forward. I think I'll come away from this conversation as a better Christian. My hunch is that you all will come away from this conversation as better secular atheists. Uh, and we'll, we'll or, may, or maybe better Christians, you know, like we, could be, we, we might be Christian atheists tomorrow. So I, I might only be like 74% believing this. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. well, on the twenty five percent days, just call us and we can have an atheist conversation. And we'll... Yeah, what time's the atheist start? Yeah, it's, 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 it's really like hour by hour. I would say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. about uh, halfway through your toddler, like tearing all your books, you know. You know yeah. There is no God. <laughs> Why is suffering? <laughs> what is the problem of evil in the world? Yeah. <laughs> well, if I could have like, I, we haven't really asked any like hard questions, but I would want to ask like one hard question like sure what keeps you believing like mm. is there something you know other than like the community and stuff like that which i think is important we kind of talked about that but like is oh, there anything yeah. that like that's specifically related to god that keeps you believing in him because it seems like the conversation we had tonight um we could be you could be a great christian uh be a follower of, of christ be a pastor at a church 
do humanitarian things and God doesn't need to get in that scenario at all. So like, is there one thing that, that 74% that makes you keep believing in, in God? Like, Yeah, no, that's such a great question. Uh, and in fact, I had thought sort of about this topic when I was thinking about tonight. Um, I think when I like dig down, 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 sort of and hit bedrock of my beliefs, one thing that I have not been able to overcome is why in the world does the universe exist? I just can't get past that. And I see Jordan smiling as I say that. I just, for you the You want to get into some cosmological <laughs> argument? We can get into that. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I wasn't asking this for an argument. I just was curious, like the real, like. <laughs> I just, like, for the life of me, can't fathom it. And uh, I don't, nest- again, I don't think that there's a gray haired old man sitting up on a chair in the clouds that zapped the universe into being. Mm-hmm. But I think that there was some sort of impulse, you know, that, that, brought things into being and I have not spent a great deal of time studying that, but that's, I think that is one of the sort of like bedrock things that it sounds like you're looking for that. I just, I, I don't, I can't get past that. Yeah. No, I wasn't really looking for anything. I just was like curious, like, so and repeat back, make sure I heard you correctly. It's more of like to you, it just makes sense. There's like a prime mover or something that got yeah. all this stuff kind of going. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the other thing I'll say is I there's a a great book called Finding God in the Waves by Mike McHarg. And he he was a he grew up, you know, conservative Christian. Then he became a scientist and he became an atheist. And then he started having these what he describes as mystical moments of awareness, this sort of like sense of a divine or sacred connection between all people. And I really resonate with that. I was in the, you know, the grocery store of all places about 12 months ago at the beginning of the pandemic. And I was looking around at all these people, you know, terrified of them. Because at that point we saw everyone as a threat, you know, as a carrier of the virus. And I tried to sort of breathe and center down. And I had this sort of awareness that, you know, we were all connected in some way that I don't have the capacity to explain. And I've had enough moments like that where I sense this profound connection between all people. Uh, Again, I'm not going to point to some gray-haired man in the sky, um, sort of divine puppeteer, but I do think that there's, you know, to fall back on Paul Tillich, some sort of like divine grounding to to reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll have to read Tillich again. I has been gosh a decade um but i remember really enjoyed enjoying his stuff um yeah see if if when i go to walmart i'm just <laughs> never more sure about my atheism like no, they're <laughs> not walmart so oh okay, okay. Sure. that makes yeah. a big difference <laughs> walmart's you know abandoned hope all ye who enter here yeah. <laughs> dante's inferno <laughs> yeah 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 it's interesting um i would push back a little bit and be like well what if you know like you didn't need God to explain those kind of phenomena. Mm-hmm. Like, would you still like, that's where I would be like, well, what, what then makes you believe kind of thing? Like, and we could go down that rabbit hole, but we don't have to do that tonight, but I just like throwing it out there. It's like, yeah, that's like how I would work. Yeah. Uh, sure. and, and like, so those are the questions that I asked myself. Yeah. And I basically just went down and I just kept checking them off and I got down to, where, Oh, I don't, 
it's, there's no more questions to ask. You know, it's like the end of the list. My yeah. my answer was I don't know. Yeah, and that was good enough for me. So part yeah. of and I know we're trying to wrap up, but part of my process in seminary was I had to get to a point where I where I realized that I couldn't have all the answers. I went to seminary looking for the, all the answers, and uh, it was you know. It was exactly the opposite. I got an awful lot of really good questions out of it. And so a huge part of my faith journey has been learning to live in the ambiguity. And that's, you know, that's why I say God is mystery. Well, thanks for uh, coming on, Art, or, and also letting us come on to your podcast. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's a great idea and it's a good conversation. And we always enjoy finding common ground with people that we disagree with. I think that if people are willing to have these conversations, they'd find they have a, a lot more in common with the people on the other side, so to speak, then you know, there's more that binds us than separates us. Absolutely. Yeah, I've, and I've so enjoyed the conversation and, uh, you know, so enjoy finding the, the, the common ground that we stand on, you know, doubt, you know, and uncertainty and what it means to be human in the world together. Well, if you enjoyed the podcast, Give it a like on whatever platform you use to get it, whether it's YouTube or iTunes or whatever. You can hit us up on Facebook. You can write on there what you liked. If you think we're wrong and that art is a ter- like a heretic because he doesn't believe in Adam and Eve, then definitely put that on Facebook. Art won't read it, but I will, and I'll tell him about it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's my promise to you. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening, guys. Remember, till next time, you've always got reason to doubt.